Well, if you have your Bibles down here with you, I invite you to turn to Psalm 51. Today won't be a, a full exposition of that psalm, but a brief meditation on it, as we do on these third Lord's Day afternoons. But in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, we find the account of King David's sin with Bathsheba. He had an affair with her, though she was married to one of his faithful fighting men, Uriah the Hittite. And when she became pregnant to cover up his sin, uh, David recalled Uriah from the war. Also notice that some Bible scholars have noted the problem that David is no longer going out to war himself. He's sending other people to do his job. Uh, He recalls uh, Uriah from the war uh, to spend time with his wife. And Uriah, though, is honorable. And he refused out of faithfulness to his comrades to sleep in his own bed at home. So while his comrades were still in danger in battle, he would not enjoy the comforts of home. And when, therefore, Uriah refused to do this honorably, and thus David saw that this opportunity to cover his sin was lost, he sent a message back, by, carried by Uriah himself, to his commanders, to Joab in particular, and told him that to put Uriah in the forefront of the battle and then withdraw the men from around him so that Uriah would be surrounded by the enemy and killed, and indeed that happened. Well, for these great sins, the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to rebuke David. Psalm 51 is David's response. The caption tells us that David wrote the psalm to be sung in public worship. Notice that there's the, uh, there is a, a sense in which he, this is a public sin and he's repented publicly. And it's something that he knows will be of ongoing use to God's people. But it's also in particular a confession of his sin and a plea for forgiveness. So the caption says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Verses 1 and 2 are David's plea for mercy to God. And verses 3 through 6 are his confession of his sin and his sinfulness. And verses 7 through 12 are a plea to be cleansed from his sins, to be justified, to be counted righteous before God. And verses 13 through 17 are a commitment to repentance, to a repentant life indeed, which glorifies God. And then verses 18 and 19 are a plea for restoration not only of David himself, but of God's people in general. So again, verses 1 and 2 are David's plea for mercy in the face of his egregious sin, as it's translated in the English Standard Version. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin." Unless God blots out your transgressions, unless He cleanses you, washes you from your iniquity, from your sin and its guilt, unless He cleanses you, then there is no cleansing. There is no way to stand before God. You can't clean yourself, as we've talked about in, in terms of the law of God. 
the law is supposed to be a mirror. The moral law is a mirror to show us that we're dirty, but we don't clean ourselves with the mirror, right? We need some other means of cleansing. And when it comes to spiritual cleansing, we can't do it ourselves. It takes God's action. And David's pleading for that here. He's pleading for justification, that his sins would be forgiven, that he would be treated as if righteous when he knows he's not, and he confesses he's not. Everyone with saving faith can count on such forgiveness. For we've been justified by the work of Christ. Christ was perfectly righteous in our place. And Christ died a sinner's death in our place. When you sin, God is therefore faithful and just, as John says, to forgive your sins since Christ has already paid their penalty. It would be double jeopardy. It would be a double penalty paid if you also paid the penalty for your sins. So with confidence in Christ... Plead for mercy. Make your confession before the Lord. Notice David doesn't just want to be forgiven for a particular sin, even though he's, we're talking about a particularly egregious sin, or set of sins here involved with Uriah and Bathsheba. But he wants to be cleansed, not just from that, but from all of his iniquity, all of his sins and their guilt. And so he not only confesses that he's recently sinned in this matter, that's a big deal, but that he is a sinner in general, even from conception. Verses 3 through 6 are his confession of his sin and his sinfulness. He says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. No doubt, in particular, this, this particular sin with Bathsheba was, a, was uh, something that weighed upon David. And he would reap earthly consequences for it thereafter. But he also recognized that there were eternal consequences that God could forgive and he could be passed over in this and he he recognizes it's not just this sin that I need forgiveness for and if I'm not to bear the eternal consequences of my sins but it's all my sinfulness. I know my transgressions plural and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Now, of course, David sinned against Uriah, obviously. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against her family. He sinned against his own family. He sinned against God's people for being their king who would do such a thing. But he recognizes that God, being infinite... All sins are against him. And they are infinitely worse because they are against our infinite creator. And so the Lord alone in this confession fills his vision, his vision as it were. He's <coughs> confessing his sin, recognizing that this is who I have to confess it to primarily. He recognizes his sin nature, not just these particular sins, but his whole deeply sinful nature, that he is depraved. He sees his depravity and that he is utterly against God in his natural state. He's against God's holy standard. And so he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. God desires truth in the inward being, and we're by nature in our inward being deceitful. 
were conceived and born in sin. So as Jeremiah says, the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all else. So David, like you and I, is without hope unless, and that's a big word there, unless God should act graciously toward him and toward us. And thanks be to God, he does. So in verses 7 through 12, and David pleads that God would act graciously, that God would cleanse him because he knows he can't cleanse himself. You and I cannot justify ourselves. We can't make ourselves fit for God's heavenly presence. But God both justifies and sanctifies his people. And that's what David speaks of in the next several verses, starting at verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. And hyssop was a, a plant that was had spongy leaves, and it was used to sprinkle... Moses, for example, to sprinkle the blood of the covenant on the people. It was used to sprinkle people in cleansing uh, rituals in the temple. And so here we see that that this request of David is a request to be cleansed by the blood of the covenant. By God's covenant promises sealed with blood. As we ultimately find, it's not the blood of bulls or goats that seals that covenant, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. If God cleanses you, you're cleansed. If he cleans you, you're clean. It's not like if I take a shower, I might miss a spot. right? God doesn't miss a spot. You're whiter than snow if he washes you. David says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. So notice he's he's feeling God's heavy hand of chastisement upon him. And he's saying, even though it says, as my bones were broken in a sense, let those bones rejoice. Let the bones that you've broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. God hides his face, in David's words, from the sins of his people, because they're already paid for in Christ. God in his grace not only counts his elect righteous, but he also then renews them inwardly, so that they can walk in righteousness. Paul's words in Ephesians 2, where he says that by grace we're saved, through faith and this not of ourselves. It's the work of God, lest any man should boast. And then he says that we're that God does this so that we can do the good works that he's prepared for us beforehand. As a man who loves the Lord, David desires that. He desires not only to be counted righteous, but to be actually made righteous. To act righteously. He's under God's disciplining hand now, and he pleads with him to restore him to the joy of salvation. You know, if you sin, even if you fall into egregious sin, as one who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to lose your salvation but you might lose its joy for a while. And here David wants to be restored to the joy of salvation. And then he wants God to keep him willing to serve righteously. It's only by God's grace that we can do this. 
Verses 13 through 17 then present David's commitment to repent and glorify the Lord going forward. Particularly by teaching others to repent. uh, By worship and by a contrite life himself. So he says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. That's the great burden of the forgiven sinner, to, because we want to see other sinners forgiven too, and to enjoy the delight that we have in the forgiveness we've received from the Lord. David says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Boy, did he have it. Blood guiltiness. Literally the guilt of somebody else's life on his hands. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Notice that he can't declare God's praise unless God opens his lips to do it. So we see the sovereignty of God woven throughout this psalm as well. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. And we might say, well, wait a minute. David was living under the Mosaic Covenant. Didn't he have to make those sacrifices? And indeed, he should, in obedience to God. But even the acts of worship that God has commanded are empty if we do not come in repentance and dependence on God's grace. You and I have commands for the things we're to do in God's worship in the New Covenant. And we should do them. But they're empty if we come with a hardened heart. If we're just going outwardly through the motions. But they're very meaningful when the repentant sinner comes and does them. Finally, verses 18 and 19 are a plea then, not just for David's restoration... He now, he now wants restoration for all of God's people, not just for himself. And so he concludes the psalm with those words. When God's people come to him contritely, then he does delight in their worship. And so David says, Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Come to the Lord with a contrite heart, and He accepts your acts of worship that He has commanded. Well, let's now delight in worshiping the Lord through the singing of the psalm again. We'll sing the final portion of Psalm 51. As we turn in our Psalters to 51 Selection C, as in Christ, let's stand together again as we conclude worship this afternoon. We'll sing Psalm 51 C. Mm-hmm.